Welcome to Manufacturing Mastery with Graham Fitzgerald, the podcast. My name's Graham Fitzgerald, and for over 30 years, I've led some of Australia's largest manufacturing organisations, riding the highs and lows, the occasional failure, and the plentiful successes that inevitably come with being in business. This podcast is aimed at helping you, the progressive Australian manufacturer, with practical, current, and real-world advice on navigating your pathway to sustainable success in manufacturing. Myself and my special guests will cover everything from how to embed a planning framework into your business, new approaches to innovation, the importance of culture and how to lead change, and navigating the new normal as an Australian manufacturer. So manufacturers, let's master it. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Stephen Elliott. Uh, He's an experienced leader in manufacturing and a person who has a strong passion for the development of his people. Stephen is a leader with a background in chemical, metallurgical and process engineering industries and currently has a manufacturing responsibility for the infrabuild operations in New South Wales at Sydney and Newcastle. He holds a degree in chemical engineering and a master's in business administration. He's previously been a director on both local and South African board company boards and has a passion for manufacturing excellence through people leadership, process understanding, a personal core value of safety and a desire to succeed. Now, I've known Stephen for many years uh, and our paths continue to, to cross professionally and personally. My plans have been for uh, Steve to join me for an episode of uh, Manufacturing Mastery in 2021. But the vagaries of uh, COVID-19 lockdowns initially, then uh, managing the impacts of uh, COVID-19 outbreaks as um, we opened back up meant that we couldn't align the planets. So uh, today's podcast theme uh, is people leadership uh, with an emphasis on the development of high potential people in a manufacturing environment. Now, the theme for the podcast uh, evolved over time as Steve and I bounced ideas around that be of interest in sharing to the, uh, the growing manufacturing mastery audience. Um, with an impact of um, the various changes that have come through COVID-19 and the pandemic, the issue of um, talent in organisations has become even more significant, I think, in uh, the last year. Uh, the development of people has changed greatly since my days as a metallurgy trainee with BHP Steel. Uh, I know that expectations have changed from an employee perspective, and so too is the approach uh, from most organisations. When I was planning my uh, Season 2 podcast, the challenge of a, a major shortage of people uh, across nearly every industry in Australia has uh, meant that the topic's even more relevant in 2022. In our time together, I hope we can share some of the secrets that Steve has uh, learned about people, their development and leadership over many years in manufacturing. So welcome, Steve, to Manufacturing Mastery. Oh, thanks, Graham. Happy to join. <laughs> so um, as, I, as I talked to you uh, over the last few weeks, um, you know, this is a pretty open conversation, um, and you know, I'll, I'll just ask some leading questions, and hopefully, we can have a conversation. So, uh, yeah, yeah, can, good. Can, can you share with us um, a bit of uh, your journey, particularly with respect to to your more recent times um, with Intrabuild and uh, as as it's evolved out of receivership? I know that you're passionate about success, and it would be great to understand uh, what's shaped you uh, and how you've got had that passion. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, look, I think 
you know, ever since my uh, BHP days, and I suppose we, we share a, a sort of common uh, starting point there, I've just loved the challenge of complex manufacturing. You know, I think it's just got, it should be an Olympic sport, sort of my view is you've just got so many different things that you need to manage uh, to be successful and world-class in manufacturing. So, you know, you've got the innovation, technology, process, people, strategy, sourcing, all those elements have got to come together uh, to be successful uh, in manufacturing. And I think what drives me, I have a real passion around Australia's ability to be great at manufacturing. I, I think we can be. We have so many of the skills and capabilities uh, you think about all the inventions that have come out of Australia. Uh, we're incredibly innovative uh, people, um, and, and, I sp- and that's one of the things that's you know drove me to be on the, the uh, board of Hunter Manufacturing uh, for ten years. Was how do we how do we continue to foster great manufacturing in Australia and particularly in the Hunter uh, where I'm based? Um, but one of the things I did realise. Uh, in my time at BHP was that people and leadership, uh, people development, leadership were probably areas where we were still lacking. Um, and, and I suppose that's been uh, a constant um, focus of mine throughout my career. So moving on from there, I worked in the chemical industry and especially chemicals for about 12 years, uh, making manganese dioxide for the global battery industry. Uh, fantastic business, learned a lot, some wonderful people that I worked with. Uh, and then uh, in 2010, I joined uh, One Steel as it was then uh, in a in senior operational role uh, here in Newcastle. Uh, changed a few roles uh, since then, um, but but very much apart from a stint in in, in a global safety role, leadership role, um, which you know was very aligned to my core value of safety. Uh, very much the focus of my career has been on how do we manufacture uh, great things in Australia and uh, and steel, you know, it's, it's a incredibly complex material uh, and, and it's been a, a great vehicle for me to indulge, I suppose, my passion uh, in great manufacturing. And uh, But, yeah, and the constant theme in that has been how do we engage people, how do we develop people and how do we get the most out of them? So. Yeah, I got I think uh, I was sharing a little bit earlier. Um, I've spent this uh, today uh, working with a group uh, focused on leadership and frontline uh, uh, supervisors. And uh, I think uh, your comment about um, the 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 development, uh, particularly of leadership skills, is a crucial part of manufacturing. So, mm. so yeah. So maybe can you? Uh, we both benefited from um, the BHP traineeship program that was a foundation of people development in the, the 80s and 90s. Um, the development of young engineers and professionals has changed significantly in the last 20 years. Can you share with us your thoughts on the benefits and downsides of that change? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's something that uh, I've been thinking about myself, as as, as particularly as InfraBuild, as we, um, you know, we seek to... Uh, uh, employ and develop the, the leaders of the future. And, you know, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity that I had with BHP. You know, I joined BHP at 17, straight out of school, knew nothing, um, you know, pretty much uh, for the first couple of years, I probably wasn't much help at all. Um, and, you know, that was sort of born out of a different era when and when there wasn't the, you know, the university places that there are today and all the rest of it. And, Certainly what I've seen over the last 20, 25 years is, is large corporates have moved away from that sort of very early 
um, engagement with you know, future uh, leaders and, and uh, technical people to a model now where typically uh, you employ graduates um, after they finish their degree, uh, maybe put them on some sort of graduate program or maybe just employ them directly into a role and then just seek to develop them uh, through the, the opportunities and training that's available within the business. And um, I think one of the things that we've found is, as, as, you know, as InfraBuild has been a company that's went down that same path um, is that quite often there isn't the, uh, the sense of uh, connection between the company uh, and the employee that came out of the traineeship scheme where you've got people at a much younger age um, and, you know, by funding their training, um, there, there seemed to be great, uh, greater degree of connection and loyalty to the business. What we've tended to find is the graduates today um, very keen to, to move around, very keen to progress. Um, and obviously, this, you know, part of this is also, you know, a millennial uh, probably aspect where, um, you know, people looking for a much greater variety in, in, their, in their work, uh, looking for rapid, you know, quite often rapid uh, climb up the corporate ladder. Uh, and what one of the things that we found is interesting is that our grads typically come out with very good technical skills but the areas where they've probably still got their L plates on is around their, their, their leadership, their people skills, their EQ, if you like. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things that we found, uh, I believe, is one of the things that the cadetship or a traineeship is actually taught people. You know, you come in at the bottom of the organisation, uh, you, know, you know, you're not the person with all the answers at that point, um, and so you tend to have to... Uh, rely upon a lot more people and, and, and uh, you know, one of the things I remember very much as a trainee is I learned an awful lot from the operators and the maintainers on the shop floor. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they'd been in their roles 10, 20, 30 years and, uh, and so I, I, one of the things I was able to do and I'm sure a lot of other people similarly, we, we learned to relate to those people and, and engage with them and, and that, while it wasn't uh, overt and it wasn't uh, deliberate, I think it is one of the huge strengths of that style of uh, of uh, developing people, um, and it's something that we're missing a bit with the graduate program, where um, we might get some very technically strong people, but um, they again just haven't learned how to harness um, you know the knowledge and the skills and the creativity of everyone in the business, and and that's what we need again, going back to that Australian situation where. Australia can be fantastic at manufacturing. That's what we've got to leverage off is the is the, is the input of everyone in the business. I, I um, I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, the time when uh, you and I were working together uh, in uh, the steel casting area, and uh, your your ability to tap into people's knowledge was, um, uh, I guess, uh, the a classic case of that of you know creating a million dollar solution in uh, a very short um, period of time for very little money. And uh, uh, that's a great example of that tapping into the, the people that are just watching and understanding things. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Because it's, it, I think one of the other things that highlighted, this, I'm just remembering that uh, that little piece of work as well, was that the key was actually not in the, in the, in the technology or the smarts. It was actually the implementation and getting people to use it. Yeah, and by 
having the relationships and the connections with the people on the shop floor, um, a lot of those barriers that may have existed were, were evaporated and and people basically ran with the solution once it was it was offered to them. So um, one of the things that I, I had the pleasure of spending a few hours with a guy, a professor at Harvard, Ranjay Galati, a few years back, and one of the things that he found in his research was that SAT score, which is I think sort of the US HSC score equivalent, um, was no real correlation with uh, you know who made it to senior roles in companies. It was more about EQ. Are you looking to grow your manufacturing business and need some support to achieve your goals? My Manufacturing Mastermind Group is a great place to start. This exclusive group receives monthly worksheets and guidance around the five key principles of manufacturing growth. There's a monthly live virtual Q&A session and a live mentoring call with a Mastermind member where we troubleshoot the business challenge of the day. Plus, this group comes together on a quarterly basis for a one-day workshop to ensure accountability in the delivery of your business growth plan. Find out more by visiting grahamfitzgerald.com.au slash mastermind. So, uh, I guess um, with InfraBuild, as things have changed, um, you know, it's a... Intrabuilds emerged with the, the manufacturing assets of BHP Steel, One Steel, Arium, whatever you like to call it. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, different histories, uh, yet uh, there's similar challenges um, intrabuild to uh, those that maybe existed uh, prior to uh, the change in ownership. Uh, could you share us your thoughts on how people selection and development can impact um, on a company's success and uh and where this aspect of running a successful manufacturing business sits in the priorities. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've found, and, and as you talked about, where you've got a company that's got, got lots of little mini cultures, so no, no company is one, sorry, excuse that, uh, is no one sort of um, monoculture. There's just lots of little cultures that exist in, a, in, a, in different parts of the business. And one of the things that I've found is, is that different parts of businesses and sections within a business are in different parts, if you like, on their evolutionary journey. They've, they've got different problems, different needs. And it's a bit like the old situational leadership model where leaders adopt different styles of leadership depending on the maturity of the of their follower is that what I found is that you often need different leaders for different situations and uh, quite often I think we can be we sort of can have this cookie cutter view of what makes up a good leader or what's the you know the the uh, the, the one perfect leader and, and then we can put a person into a role and they may be a very good solid leader but they may not be the right person for that right role so it's a bit like a horses for courses type situation. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the things that, uh, you know, I've tried to, to think about when selecting and then developing people into roles is that, you know, and it's a bit like a football coach who has to pick the the, the, the right player for the right uh, opposition or the right uh, situation. Um, the, the, you sometimes will have to make different choices around who is the right person for that role at that time. Um you know, and then I think when it comes to, uh, you know, having discussions with that people, 
it's very important to understand how where they want to take their career. I think, again, we can often fall into the trap of thinking everybody wants to be the CEO, and that's not always the case. So understanding what people's career goals are, I think, is very important, and then thinking about how do you develop that person to assist them to where yeah. they want to go and where and what suits the company. Again, um, you know, quite often... <coughs> will have gaps in certain areas and, and, and need to fill those gaps rather than just pushing everybody down a particular line. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, I, and that's where I think, you know, coaching and mentoring become very important. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things, obviously we were just talking about it before we sort of started recording, was that, uh, you know, we've seen what can happen when you when you can put a, a someone who's got some coaching skill with somebody who's, you know, need some help in a particular area and having that coach is not their boss I think is is often uh, you know a very important aspect of that I think we often think as leaders that we're able to coach all of our reports um and you know sometimes that works I think and sometimes it's probably not the right decision yeah so I think you know in terms of, of infra build you know are we are we perfect at all this no <laughs> we we struggle at times and uh you know it's uh, but it it is a priority for us and and you know you make the comment earlier just around uh the, the world that we live in at the moment you know where where there's a lot of competition for resources and talent uh globalized world um you know it's uh, getting the right people in the right roles is still absolutely critical yeah so so some things don't change i remember a conversation with a uh, one of my former leaders and uh his, his, his advice was uh, that, Graham, sometimes it depends on the skills of the people and their development needs at the time as to how big the role is or or not. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, so um, I guess one of the things, Steve, um, in, in creating this podcast is um, my aim was to actually um, provide our listeners with something they can take away and actually apply in their business um, as quickly as possible. So, you know, I'm... A pragmatist, and I know that people are busy. So, you know, as a practitioner with responsibility for achieving you know, real business results, can you share with us, um, uh, I guess, uh, one of your um, greatest challenges in developing high potential talent and in an environment of uncertainty through the business uh, administration and COVID 19, and maybe through that more recent times with the skill shortages? Mm, yeah, sure. Yeah, look, I think when it comes to, you know, high potentials, you know, again, they're, they're, uh, they can be few and far between sometimes. And so it's so important that, uh, um, that uh, we lead them well and, and, and develop them. And I think probably one of the things that I'd say and I've seen is that often for a lot of high potential uh, people, they've done very well at university or at school, um, got into the workforce and, you know, they're, they're, they're quite often they're very, you know, they're obviously usually very smart, um, often articulate, um, you know, very um, quick to, to achieve results in, in sort of in dual roles. And I think um, that can sort of, and that often leads to, you know, rapid progression, rapid movement, um, and it can cause a problem, um, what, what I call the tipping point. So there's a point where I think the high potentials, they often if they get, particularly if they get earmarked by sort of HR and, H, you know, sort of the specific HR programs for uh, high potential talented people, um, 
they can sort of get into a mode of, well, you know, I'll, I'll do this role for one year or two years and I'll move on to the next role bigger and better. And there sort of becomes this mindset of oh, my career is just onwards and upwards. And and they really rely on, I suppose, the, you know, those attributes as being the tickets to their success. And, and as a, the tipping point in my mind comes to when they sort of reach that sort of middle management, senior management role where potential and attributes don't matter as much. It's about results. And, and I've, you know, I've had some interesting conversations with some high potential people who after sort of 18 months go, well, you know, I'm ready for the next big thing. And, you know, we've had that sort of awkward conversation uh, whereabouts, well, what have you achieved? What have you, what have you done in this role? Um, and that's, I think, you know, a challenging point, particularly for, you know, the, the person doing the leading of that person, but also the high potential candidate themselves. It's, it's, it really then comes down to results. And, and I think that's, you've got to translate potential uh, into results to be yep. successful and, and continue to climb into more and more senior roles. And, uh, and I think that's probably just one aha moment I had. And I suppose the, the point I would say is that having that conversation early um, with with the high potential candidate or person is, is I think, very valuable and, and making it clear that the, the time in the role is going to be longer, um, that, you know, the situations that you're expecting people to manage or lead uh, are becoming more complex. The result horizon is longer um, and, uh, and, and, you know, achieving those results is what's going to be critical. Yeah. Um, so, so connection with the level of work. So, you know, yeah. if your level of work is moving further out, then obviously uh, to, to see the results will take a greater time. Mm, yeah. And I think if, you know, if you've had someone who's moved around every 18 months, they, they, they can sort of get a bit twitchy and a bit nervous after yeah. about 18 months. Well, I've been in this role 18 months, you know, I've, I've sort of understand this role now. I haven't actually delivered long lasting meaningful change or improvement yeah. um, but having an expectation to move on and that that sort of relates to suppose the second thing I would say is that quite often there's a temptation to continue to promote high potential people faster than than maybe what they're ready for for the fear of losing them you know this person's getting nervous getting twitchy uh, if I don't promote them again they'll leave um, and I think that that Promoting people before they're ready is is is, is also a uh, you know something to be avoided because it can really cause that person to um, you know take a real hit to their confidence um, and and can really ultimately end up meaning that they leave the company. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know building trust between yourself as the leader and the high potential person around expectations and promoting people such that they're going to be successful in the next role. I think I think that's probably, you know, I've had to say no to a few people along the way and, and you know, at the time I think they were very disappointed, but most of them when I've caught up with them five or six years later have generally said, you know, you're right, well, I wasn't ready. Um, yeah. You know, I think obviously what goes with that is, is identifying what are the areas for development and making sure there is some sort of plan to uh, address those rather than just, uh, leaving the person to work it out for themselves. Yeah. I uh, um, very, very similar aligned uh, views. So um, maybe just one last question. I know you're uh, a busy person, got uh, a few things to do. Um, it's a challenging time in manufacturing with um, the supply chain constraints, um, the sustainability issues around energy. 
uh, or um, carbon intensity. Um, you know, changing global circumstances uh, seem to offer opportunities for uh, local manufacturers, um, especially people who aspire to achieving world-class manufacturing. Um, what's been um, your greatest success um, and uh, what's required to have been to achieve that? How's it influencing you today and uh, how do you think that'll be applicable in taking those opportunities that come up uh, in manufacturing in Australia going forward? Yeah, look, I, th- I think probably my greatest uh, <laughs> advice in that space would be around, it's a very simple lesson, it's having the right people in the right roles and not being scared to make a change when it's required. I think I one of the things I found in Australia is that we, we, we like to think of ourselves as sort of big, bold, straight-talking, you know, uh, say-it-as-it-comes sort of leaders, but the reality is most of us are not that uh, of that ilk and I know I'm not. Uh, and so we can still be very hesitant, I think, to to make change when when sometimes we need to. So, you know, and this might sound a little bit contrary to what we've talked about before in terms of development, you know, the, the, there's there's a whole piece of work around developing people and developing people's skills and, and getting them uh, to be successful in their roles and whether that's, you know, training, coaching, mentoring, whole range of strategies and approaches. Um, but I think sometimes you quite often know deep down when someone is not the right person for that role. And uh, I think we've all been guilty at times of, of holding on to that person for far too long. And yeah. I think what I've learned is in a globalised world where the pace of change is just getting quicker and quicker, we just don't have the time or the luxury to say, oh, I'll just sit that person in that role for two or three years and see how they go and see if they work out or not. Um, and I, I see that as particularly a temptation for people that are new to, say, that level of management. Yes. Often, often I think they worry that if they make a change that they're, they're then not seen as loyal or, or, or not able to develop people. But it, to me, it's a balancing act. You, you've, there's the times you've got to develop and then there's the times where you've actually got to make a change. And, uh, you know, I suppose as I've got longer into my career and as I get closer to, to you know, at some point finishing up my career, I think that does help a little bit because you're sitting here saying, well, I don't have five or six years to achieve what we need to achieve here. We've got to do it in two or three or four. So I need the right people in the right roles and I need them now. And um, and that's it's not easy. It's never easy. Um, but I think usually what i found is that if a person, particularly if they're not performing or floundering in a role, um, usually they'll thank you pretty much straight after because they'll say, I just wasn't enjoying my work anymore. Yeah. And, and having hopefully, and hopefully in most cases, it's not an opportunity of the person leaving the business. It's about finding a role that better suits their capabilities and, and their interests. If you're wanting tailored one-to-one coaching for fast results, perhaps my mentoring service is the option you need. This package includes two one-to-one sessions each month and a weekly accountability call as well as access to the growing network of members in the Mastermind Group. Find out more by visiting grahamfitzgerald.com.au forward slash mentoring or contact me directly via the form on my website to understand how I can best help you grow your business. Now, I'd, I'd agree that 
in my broadening of uh, experiences across a wide range of manufacturing that um, that aspect of doing people the the good service of finding helping them find the right role is a much better place than having them struggle in a uh, in a role that really doesn't suit them and doesn't motivate them anymore so mm-hmm. yeah. and, and it brings me back to um, you know I've been uh, re re uh, reviewing the the good to great work um, uh, with one of my clients and uh, the, uh, the the second component of um, the, the six uh, key elements is around having the right people in the right place uh, to go with uh, exceptional leadership. Uh, so that that's the part of that foundation of building building up to to towards excellence. So, yeah. 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 No. It's 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 it seems so simple, but it, it, it's <laughs> one that we uh, I think often as leaders we can uh, shy away from um, for a range of reasons. Um, but uh, it's, it's it's absolutely critical, you know. If you, you know, it goes back to if you use a football analogy again. If if you just haven't got the right players on the field, uh, you can have all the, uh, the the strategy or the playbook, all that correct. But if you haven't got people who can execute it, then uh, you're not gonna not gonna be yeah. successful. So um, I actually do understand. I was talking to Anna Clark today, um, uh, who was with uh, Graham. And she she gave a bit of a brief rundown on the some of the stuff you're doing. Would would you like to share with people around um, what some of the, the things that you're thinking about in, I guess, rebuilding a a, a talent pipeline is probably the way I would describe it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, for those who don't know the Infrabuild story, uh, the former company Arian went into administration, so we went through that sort of difficult period for about 18 months there where, you know, talent pipelines certainly took a hit. And uh, so one of the things that we're exploring, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the um, traineeships versus graduates, is is actually engaging uh, university students uh, through a scholarship program. So typically what we're doing now at both Sydney, Newcastle and, and in Melbourne is that uh, we've got a scholarship program where we connect with a sort of second year student in either engineering, uh, you know, a range of disciplines, engineering, IT um, uh, or other things. Uh, and then uh, what we do is we, we provide them with a sum of money to help with their studies and we also provide them with vacation employment uh, over the summer break. Um, and then we'll, we'll have that person back at the end of, so at the end of second year, end of third year and potentially at the end of fourth year um, and and what we do is, you know, they get a valuable industrial experience, which helps them with their degree. They also get some money, but we also establish this relationship uh, such that, um, you know, if they're, if they're the sort of graduate that we we're looking for and we've got the opportunity, uh, we can then slot them into our graduate program. Okay. So we go scholarship student, graduate, and then obviously full-time employee, uh, at the end of the of the graduate program, and so we think that at a lower cost, in that we're not uh, you know engaging people for six to seven years <laughs> through their degree, but we're establishing that link much earlier, um, and uh, and and I think as I said, giving us that opportunity to create greater connection, greater loyalty, uh, and also build those EQ skills that that we've talked about. Yeah through getting them in the door 
um, you know, when they're humble and teachable. <laughs> yeah, I guess also on the flip side, it also gives um, the the um, the person who's uh, in that scholarship program and the graduate program the opportunity really to see whether this is a good fit for them or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they get a look at heavy industry. You know, one of the things that we might do is is put them in different uh, projects with different roles so they might get to see some different types of work. So, you know, very much plant-based work or more technical type work. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's we've been doing that scholarship program probably for about five or six years down in Melbourne, probably yep. in Sydney, probably for the last four or five years. Um, we've only just introduced it in Newcastle probably about two years ago. Um, and I'm pleased to say that we've just put our first scholarship student into a graduate program in Newcastle, which is uh, a chemical engineer, which is which is always exciting. So, <laughs> no, and I think the good thing about that is it's actually yeah, there's good business sense, but there's also good people sense as well around that. There's a real balance um, that the benefits go both ways. Yeah, and the other thing that we've also found, which is a bit of a hidden benefit that we never realised, is that. Our, a lot of our leaders and engineers and that get a real kick out of uh, mentoring young students. Yeah. Particularly if they're if they're sort of fifty five plus and they're starting to think about you know, you know leaving the business and their legacy and all the rest of it, it can be really motivating for them to see the next generation coming through and have a part in helping to develop that person. Well, that's. No, that's really good. No, thank you for um, sharing that last little bit. Um, I, I'm sure that there will be people who uh, listen uh, who will be um, intrigued and potentially looking to explore that as an option. Um, finding good talent in the, the world today is um, is not easy and uh, developing people uh, as you go is probably going to be increasingly um, seen as an option. So thank you very much. Have a, uh, a good night and uh, thanks, Steve. All right. No problems, Graham. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. It was great to have you. I'm always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch through my Facebook page, Graham Fitzgerald, Manufacturing Growth Specialist, my LinkedIn page or via my website, grahamfitzgerald.com.au. That's G-R-A-E-M-E fitzgerald.com.au. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out here, please rate, review or subscribe to the podcast so more manufacturers can find out about it and we can build our community of masterminds manufacturing in this great nation. Talk to you soon.